In fact, it's one that only you can complete. Nobody else can live your life for you. In the book of Psalm, chapter 139, verse 16, there's one of the versions that says, All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. I want you to think about that, children, that God has a book that is written about what He wants to do in your life. Before you were ever born, He's already written the book. And He's said to each of us, that if you will follow my plan, what I will lead you in will bring fulfillment to all the goals and desires that I have for you. In other words, there's nothing in your life that will surprise God. He has your destiny in His hands. And for however many years that you may have, God wants you to practice following Him while you have life. And if you will do that, His eternal plans for you will be beyond spectacular. So He's given you a destiny. He's given you something to do in life, and it's something that only you can do in life. He's wired you and created you with certain ambitions, certain desires and drives to play a particular role in the history of our world that only you can play. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship. I love the verse that says, We are God's masterpiece which is equally translatable to that. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that He planned for us long ago. Are you getting the sense that God has a plan for each of you? I'm also glad that not just in talking to the children, but in talking to adults, that at any moment in time you can intersect the cross in faith and instantly have your destiny changed and can step into the plan that God has for you. So there will be something for everybody this morning through our devotion. God has a destiny for you, and it's not your mother's destiny, and it's not your father's destiny, it's not your pastor's destiny. It's your destiny. But here's the painful part. You can miss God's destiny for your life. People do it all the time. In fact, you can go through your entire life and miss God's purpose for your life by your very own choices. If you choose to chase pleasure, if you choose to chase popularity or money instead of God, you will miss it. And that's the tragic thing for most of the people in our world that don't even know that God had a better plan. Now, Rissy, there was a place in your charge today as we were talking where it says that you will make good choices. And I want to just expand on that a little bit today. Making choices. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Esther chapter 4. I always love using the book of Esther, especially as it relates to young ladies and choices. But in Esther chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, The Scripture says, when Esther's words were reported back to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this royal position for such a A time as this. I want to give you four important 
observations about choices this morning from the experiences of Esther. They come from Mordecai as he sends messages to Esther about what is to about happen to her people. And for those of you that are familiar with the story of Esther, you recognize that in chapter 2 of Esther, you recognize her name was Hadassah. She was an orphan girl that was apparently orphaned very young in life and was sent to live with her cousin Mordecai who raised her as his very own daughter. And it became evident from the time that she was very young that she was a beautiful girl. And so as she grew up under Mordecai's care, her people were a, a confined people. They were prisoners at the time. What was happening in the government was that there was a king, Xerxes or Ahasuerus, or Artaxerxes, depending on the type of... Uh, uh, translation that you have in the Bible, and he had a queen named Vashti. Now, Vashti um, had a mind of her own. For She was way ahead of her time. And there was a party that was going on that the king wanted to show Vashti off, and so I don't know whether it was late at night or whether she was asleep or whether it was inconvenient, but he had sent for her and said, put on the jewels, I want you to come and show off for all my friends, and she said no. And so... When she wouldn't come, the rulers of the time sat down with the king and said, You know, if you let her get away with this, we are all in big trouble. Because if she can get away with this, then all of our wives can not do what we ask them to do, and it will destroy the family fabric as we know it now. And so, king, you've got to do something about this. And so he took their wisdom and he banished Vashti because she would not come when she was called and wouldn't obey, and a search for a new queen began. Now, when you're the king... You can send people throughout the whole land and say, I want every pretty girl in the whole country that we own. I want them all to be chosen to come, and I want them to parade right in front of me. And when they have paraded, I'll choose the one I want. And so they went out into all the land, and they began to look at all of the pretty girls, and they were taking them and bringing them back to the palace. And as they went to the province of Susa, where uh, Esther was at, they saw her, and they chose her. She never did tell them that she was part of the imprisoned people, that she was a Jew. So they took her back, and the Scripture tells us that these girls that were chosen had one year of preparation. Now, I know how long it takes some of you ladies to get ready for a date. This goes even beyond that. One year of preparation in order for their moment to walk before the king so that he could look at them. And Esther came and gave herself to the ones who were going to give her uh, all of the beauty treatments and teach her how to put on her makeup and, you know... All of the things that make a woman feel beautiful and look beautiful. And when her time came to come before the king, out of all of the pretty girls in the land, he was smitten by her and he chose her to be the new queen. During this time, there was a lot of things that were going on. Specifically, there was a man by the name of Haman who hated the Jews and wanted to do away with them all. And so as you read the story, you're seeing all of these pieces that are coming together. Little did... Esther know at the time that God had chosen her for a destiny that was unlike anyone else's. But she had some choices to make through it all. The first choice and observation that we make today about choices is this. You have the power and the privilege of choice. You have the power and the privilege of choice. Esther was put into a position of great responsibility, and her uncle Mordecai knew it. He would sit at the gate and listen to the things that were going on and send messages into her. And because of the influence that she had, there were things that she was able to accomplish. And it made a huge uh, impact in some decisions that had to be made. And for you, our honor star today, 
And for all who are like you sitting in this room, I want you to know something. Where you are today is a matter of the decisions that you have made to get here. There's been a lot of times that before you got that sash and that crown, you had to work hard and you had to study. And you had to put other things that you would have liked to have done on the back burner so that you could focus on the things that you knew you needed to get done. There were a lot of other girls that started with you on this journey, but today you stand here because you worked hard and as a result of your choices, you were crowned today. I pray that you will continue to make phenomenal choices as the Lord leads you and guides you. Our choices determine our destiny. There's a sign found in the Canadian Northlands where vehicles get to the end of a paved road and the sign says this, says there's a road that is filled with ruts. Be careful what rut you choose because whichever one you find, you'll be in it for the next 20 miles. That's something as a description of many of our lives. Be careful of the rut you choose in life because chances are you're going to be there a while. So be very careful of the choices you make. And in life, you're free to choose the rut you drive in. But be careful because sometimes it will give you a direction for your whole life. Now, God could have programmed us like computers or given us a set of instincts like animals, but instead He gave us a free will, and it was a rather risky business on His part because He also gave us the capacity to make wrong choices. Esther had the power and the privilege of choice, but what would she choose to do with it was the big decision. Ultimately, we're all responsible for the choices we make. Now, I know a lot of people who don't want to take any responsibility at all for the choices of their life. They choose to blame everything that happens in their life on somebody else. But I want you to know there's going to come a time when we will all stand before God and we're not going to be able to blame our choices on somebody else. We will give an account for our own life and the things that we did. When Mordecai heard of Esther's dilemma, he sent her a message. And in it he said this in verse 13, Just because you live in the king's palace... Don't think that of all of the Jewish people, you alone will escape. In other words, I want you to understand that you are part of a captive people. And I want you to think just because you're pretty doesn't mean you're going to escape. You need to know that what happens to the people will happen to you. In other words, Esther, you've got a choice to make. And whether you realize it or not, your choice will also benefit or harm you. The second observation I want to make about choices is this. The sooner you make the right choice, the better. That might just seem like common sense, but for those of us that have grown a little bit older, we recognize the sooner we do the right thing, the better off we are. In fact, the older you get, you'll recognize the times that you regret of life most are those times you did not make the right decision soon enough. And you ended up suffering consequences that you would have preferred not to have suffered. We know that the first response most of us have when we face crucial decisions is put it off, procrastinate. We back off, we bail out, we beat around the bush. In fact, we'll do anything but face it. And I begin to think, why is it that we delay at points of decision? And I think I know why. It's probably because of fear. We're worried about what that decision will do. And indecision is the mark of a fearful mind. And so for all of our children and even for our graduates, I pray that you will have a life that's marked by decisions led by the Lord and not the fear of indecision. There's a lot of things that people are afraid of when they come to decisions. Some of them are the fear that people will reject them. Some of them are the fear of failure. 
Some of them are fear that if I make the decision, what if I embarrass myself? Some of them are fear of what others will say about me. But I want you to know something. If God is leading you, then you don't have to be afraid of any decision you make because He will give you the strength to follow through on the right things to do. That's how you deal with fear. And Esther was afraid. I guarantee you that she was afraid. But she didn't let her fear of what might happen to her freeze her. She faced it head on. And before you make any decisions, you need to go through four steps in a decision-making process that I just want to quickly share with you. Number one, as an honor star and your peers and your friends and the children back there, when you have a big decision to make, one of the things that I want you to do is go through the fact-gathering stage. It's where you get all the information that you can that's available to you to find out what you need and what you already know and what you don't know. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says, He who answers before listening is a folly and shame. Now, I like another version of that that says this. What a shame. How stupid to decide before knowing the facts. I can tell you something, students. When it comes to major decisions in your life, the first thing you need to do is get the facts. Some of that will come by talking to people who have had to make decisions like that before you. Whether you realize it or not, your parents are smarter than you think they are. Some of you in your early 20s will realize that. I know that between the ages of 13 and 18, you may think they're the dumbest people walking on earth. That will all change someday. But you would be wise in your decisions to ask people what their advice is if you ask the people who have made good decisions within their life. Because they'll be honest with you. The second stage of wise decision making is the feedback stage. This is where you ask God and you ask people around you, what do you think? Here's the decision I'm facing. Here's the information I've got. What do you think? And as you begin to ask adults what they think, or you begin to ask people that you respect or other Christians what they think, you will begin to discover they have views of things that you might not have, but can be really, really helpful to you. Here's where the struggle will start, is when you want to do one thing and all of the advice is leading you to something else. That's when you have to begin to pray and say, Lord, I need to know what you want me to do. Some things that help hold us back from making good decisions is pride. We're too proud to ask. For all of us guys who, before the, the app of Google Maps that we're just going to drive and drive and drive, regardless of whether we can find the place or not, it's a pride issue for us. We're just too proud to ask. So I ask you, students, don't ever be too proud to ask for feedback. The third stage of successful decision-making is the focus stage. This is where you focus on the positives and the negatives. I think it's wise for you to sit down with a big decision and begin to write out the things that would be good about that decision and to write out the things that would be negative about that decision and take a look at that and then say, Lord, here's the list of the things that I've come to know about this. Is there anything that I'm missing here? Because I want to focus. Mordecai pretty much did that for Esther. He said, listen, Esther, there's a risk of dying either way for you. You just need to know the risks. 
If you don't do anything, your people are going to be wiped out. You're one of them. Ultimately, you will be wiped out. Or if you do something with this, it might be that God will do something spectacular through you. The last stage of coming to making good decisions for our students' lives is the forward stage. Once you've been through gathering the facts and getting some feedback and focusing on the positives and negatives of each of those, then there comes a moment when you just have to act. You just have to move forward and believe that God is leading you and guiding you after you've evaluated all of the evidence and weighed the pros and cons, then take the plunge and move forward asking God to lead you. Because delaying after you know what you should do will cost you big time. So that leads us to the third stage of decision-making. To not choose is to lose your choice. There are a lot of people in life that think, if I just don't make a choice, I'm going to be okay. But to not make a choice about anything means you've lost your choice. Somebody will make it for you. There are windows of opportunity in your life. Windows of opportunity as you grow up. And in that opportunity, you need to do something with those. Mordecai realized that the opportunity, the window of opportunity for Esther to do something was not very big. And so in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says this, If you keep quiet at this time, in other words, if you decide not to make a choice, if you decide to protect yourself, if you decide not to do anything, then you need to know that someone else will help save the Jewish people, but you and your father's family are going to die. If you don't do anything, God will do something without you, but you will have lost out. What that verse says to me is that none of us are indispensable to the will of God. God will fulfill His plan one way or the other. You just get to choose whether you want to be a part of it or not. He's going to do what He wants to do because He's God and He's omnipotent and has all power. So our prayer... For those of us that are students and those of us that are older students is this. Lord, help me to understand the power and the privilege that I have in serving you. And help me not to ignore the windows of opportunity when I have them. Help me to also understand that I have limited opportunities to respond to you. And that if I don't make a choice, that window may close. Because none of us are indispensable. To not choose is to lose your choice. The final observation is this, as I see this passage about decisions. The chosen of God are those who have chosen Him. The chosen of God are those who have chosen Him. Someone once said, great people are ordinary people who make extraordinary decisions. By that standard, Esther was a great person. Listen to the last sentence of Mordecai's message to Esther. At the end of verse 14. And who knows, you may have been chosen queen for just such a time as this. I believe that Mordecai was looking at Esther's life and he was beginning now to see all of the pieces that he had not been able to put together in her life come together in this moment. There were probably times when he was wondering why out of all of the relatives he was the one chosen to raise her. 
He could have been wondering, why, why didn't she go to an aunt or something? But now he's looking at all of this and he begins to see the reason that perhaps she was orphaned at a very young age and the reason that he was chosen to raise her and the reason that he was given a position in the king's administration and the reason that she was chosen from a very young age to be so pretty among all of the girls and the reason could be that God had been working his plan through her whole life to bring her to this moment. And I want you to know something. God's working a plan right now in your life. Every child sitting here today, God is working a plan in your life and there will come a moment or moments in your life when you will stand there and say, this is why I exist to be a part of this decision. Because God's got a destiny for you. I believe that God is working in your life. I believe that He's putting all of the pieces of all of your gifts and all of your abilities together so that He can do something wonderful with you that will make this day of crowning stand in the background of what your future achievements will become as you walk with the Lord. So listen, choice is not a chance, it's a destiny. So choose wisely the steps that you will follow. Listen closely to the voices of those who are advising you. Hold them up to the Word of God and ask the Lord to lead you and guide you in the wise decisions that you will make so that you can make a difference for eternity because your decisions will determine your destiny. We know that Esther makes her decision. She responds this way to her uncle. Go and get all the Jewish people in Susa together. For my sake, give up eating. Do not eat and drink for three days. And nights and a day, and my servant girls will also give up eating. Then I will go to the king, and even though it's against the law, and if I die, I die. That is one of the greatest lines in all of Scripture. If I'm going to die, I want people praying for me. If I'm going to take this risk, I want people fasting and praying. And this is the word to us as a congregation. If there's ever been a time when we as parents and grandparents and adults need to fast and pray for our children and the decisions they're making, it's today and it's in this generation. They need us fasting and praying for their lives. We, pray, we play a role in that. Now we know the story that when the whole thing was all set up, she went to the king and the, the king had the choice of having her die or pointing his golden scepter at her and receiving it. Her And, of course, he pointed and received her. And it was the first step in saving the Jewish people. Because in a moment of time, she made wise decisions. I conclude with this story. I was reading a week or so ago the testimony of a girl named Carrie Pickett. She's a young woman that at one time was about your age and was just about at your stage of life as an honor star. And Carrie felt at an age about your age that God was calling her to a life of missions in Russia, but she didn't know how she was going to accomplish that because her family was not necessarily a, a, a pro-missionary family. They had their own plans for her as to what they wanted her to accomplish. And as she got a little bit older and began to express to her mom and dad that I feel like I need to give my life to the Lord and go to Russia, they were not all that encouraging to her. But she went through the steps. She began to pray and said, Lord, I've got a decision to make. She was a very pretty girl like you and many of the girls here today, and she recognized that her dream and desire would someday to grow up and be married and have a husband that would love her and a family. And yet she felt the Lord saying, if you will give up your dreams for mine, I will make your life more fulfilling than you ever could have thought. 
So as a young adult, she made a choice that she would follow the Lord and she went to Russia thinking at that point she was giving up her opportunity to ever find happiness in a family, but she would willingly do that for the Lord. While she was in Russia and after being there several years, there was another American young man by the name of Mike that similar in her age and also felt stirrings from a young man that he too was to go to Russia. Different parts of the country didn't even know each other. But in their pursuit of the will of God, God intersected their lives. The two of them found one another on the mission field. They married. The two of them, because of their combined efforts and seeking the Lord today, have created a television show that broadcasts the gospel truth to 160 million homes over 11 time zones in Russia. The letters that they receive every week from people who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ are astounding. And it all started because as a young girl, she says, I'm willing to make the right choices so that my destiny can be fulfilled. So every one of us has a God-ordained destiny. We've been designed with the thumbprint of the creativity of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Parents, you look at your children and you see things in them that nobody else sees. Fan those gifts. For those of you that work with our children and our teenagers, there's often times that you will sit there and you'll look at them and say, they are gifted beyond belief. Fan those gifts. Encourage those things because it might be that they were created for a specific time and a moment in history to make a decision that can transform everyone. You know what a hero of faith is? It's an ordinary person who made the right decision at the right time. I believe, Miss Honor Star, that you're a hero of faith in the making. I believe all of our students, our boys and our girls, our students who are about to graduate from various levels of education, you're heroes in the making because your opportunities to make the right decision at the right time is still in front of you. And I'm going to ask that the congregation would stand with me. I'm going to ask all of our children that are in the back, all of our children, all of our students, I'm going to ask that you would just come forward. If you're, if you're school age, come to the front. I'm just going to conclude this by praying over all of you. Leaders, you can come with them. Now, I know we're still a couple of weeks away from the big graduation service and that, but I'm going to take Pastor Mark's flame here. Pray for him anyway. I'm making a decision. I'm moving forward with it. Wow. Come on up. There's, there's more room around there. everybody I want you to know you look marvelous I am so proud that I get to be involved in your lives some of you I know pretty well and some of you I just get the high five and we're walking through the basement but I know that God has designed each of you with some very particular unique strengths and gifts so here's what I ask you. Be willing to say, Lord, you've made me. You've written a book about my life. So let me live out what you have written for me. So that when 
I get to stand before you. When we start eternity together, you will look at me and smile and say, you did perfect. I'm going to ask the parents and grandparents and all of us to just stretch forth a hand if you would as I pray for our kids. Lord Jesus, there's so much potential loaded up at this altar that it's almost hard to believe that the eternal destiny of each individual child and student that is here has been handwritten by you and they've been placed together and knitted specifically for a purpose that you have for them to live out in this world. We as a church thank you, God, that you have given to us the gifts of these children and adolescents and the joy and the life that they bring to our church. Thank you for all of those who invest their lives in working with them. I pray for their moms and dads that you would grant to them great wisdom and encouragement and patience, Lord, as they raise them up so that they can be people of God. Father, I pray your blessing on each of them. Help them to make wise choices. Give them all the information they need. Let them be people of prayer and seek your face so that their destinies will affect the souls of people across the world. And as we celebrate with our honor star today, Lord, I pray that in her life you would lead her and guide her. May today simply be a step in the achievements of her life as we enjoy celebrating with her today this wonderful achievement. So, Father, we ask your blessing now as we go down and have some cake and some punch and some ice cream and we celebrate our children in Jesus' name. Amen.